All right, welcome to another episode of Rose and Balls NBA Batting. We're prepping for the season, and uh, we're going to talk about philosophy and, and sort of the new wave of uh, NBA thinking, or, or what should be, right? Uh, so just to kind of give it a prelude, uh, different eras, you know, every, I would say three to five years, maybe five to seven years, you have this, like, new component of thinking is becoming more frequent over the last, let's say, 20. What I mean by that is, you know, people are seeing the landscape, GMs and analytics departments, and they're trying to find, like, what's the what's the real stat that matters? What are people overrating, underrating, and, and, and trying to uh, evaluate properly? Uh, and I think we got a learning lesson from the Olympics, and we, we've, we've gotten this lesson, honestly, you know, really for 20 years now, uh, since... Uh, the U.S. struggled, you know, in 2000 and, and post. Uh, and I think the lesson is on, you know, how do you measure? It's the difference between talent and IQ, okay? And it, it's not like one is in the absence of the other. Obviously, you want both. If you're making the NBA, you're talented enough. But, like, to what degree? So first, just to kind of like a, 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 a precursor on this, like, the biggest advanced movements in general in history we're more, you know, in, in the last 30 years, really, around around the three-point shot, right? People realize three is greater than two. If I could shoot it, a three, if I'm shooting twos at 50% and I'm shooting threes at 33%, that's even money. But I'm usually not shooting twos at 50%, like 45%. And threes, I could probably get up to 35 So, obviously, the increase in threes and really just average shooters now getting more volume up uh, became a thing. And that, obviously... Uh, just became greater and greater. You know, I think D'Antoni introduced stuff with, like, pick-and-roll offense being being the, the key in that realm, and the point guard's looking out of whack uh, with him. But I think that was something that was, you know, quietly adopted, became more pick-and-roll and point guard play. Um, and then you saw, I think, uh, you know, now people, uh, you know, are, are focusing on... So let me take a step back. And now you're also looking at what, what things went away, right? So low post scoring has gone away. Um, because again, three is greater than two. Uh, and then if you combine the free throw with a lot of these low post guys, it's not, it's not great. You'd rather, you'd rather have guys that go the three and it's all about spacing and all that. And I think now, you know, the NBA has gone into a big push. Now, if you're going to be doing spacing, you need lengthy wings because you need guys who can cover multiple positions who now can cover that space more. Uh, and then the power forward position has kind of been extinct. You only have like a few classic power forwards now. Or back in the 90s, it was like Malone, you know, Barkley, Vin Baker, Sean Kemp, Tyrone Hill, uh, Derek Coleman, um, you know, Tom Gugliotta, uh, you know, to name a few, right? Uh, and then now, really, like the, the I think classic power forward, like a throwback power forward is like actually Paolo Boncaro to an extent and like Julius Randle. Um, and then maybe Zion, but now he's more of a five, right? So yeah, you play that game, fine. I think where the NBA is still going, though, is they're still overrating a couple of things, right? So they're still overrating, like, you know, the, the eye test. If a guy looks like a pure talent and, um, you know, he looks like he's a guy that, that could blow up for 40 or 50, which is still, like, the lazy analysis, right? It's like, this guy scored 50, you know, here, too, he was the best player. And a lot of the efficiency stuff goes by the wayside unless they're egregious, okay? So, like, you know, I, you're not going to get the... Al Iverson's now, where the guy could, you know, let's have a guy shoot, you know, Iverson worked who's in the dead ball era. So you're willing to take a guy who's giving you, you know, bulk of your offense for 
uh, you know, field goal percentage. Now that's not going to work. The number's obviously higher. You got to like prorate it like currency. The difference is um, they have to, you know, they have to be able to do other things. So if they're like a sieve defensively, then they have to be really good offensively or else it's a concern. Like Isaiah Thomas with the Celtics, Kemba Walker, a lot of these point guards that, that really couldn't defend, even wings, Evan Fournier as, as an example, who could score maybe and shoot are going to, you know, if they're giving up that much on the other end, it hurts. So I'm not going to talk about that. And I think people are still paying up for three-point shooting, obviously. And if a person can't shoot it, it's really looked at as like a blemish. Here's where I think the new innovation is. The new innovation is is going to be on, on team basketball and passing. And, 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 like, look, this existed all along. So just a, a, a brief history, okay? If you look at really, like, I mean, let's go to the 60s, for God's sakes. The 60s Celtics should have been copycatted more. The NBA is a copycat league, but it also it's weird, like, what they copycat, okay? They want to copycat what's cool because it also sells off, you know, off, off team stuff and, and you're getting more, you know, hoopla around an individual talent. And I think that nobody really replicated that 60s Celtics. You had Will Chamberlain coming out, who was individualistic, and that was sort of the, the 60s and 70s became like, well, we got to get that top talent versus like getting the, the team ball. Okay, and I'm going to make a point here. In the 70s, you saw that more with Jabbar just absolutely destroying, you know, winning MVP in his early years, getting Milwaukee to the finals early, winning it early. And the team that exemplified it after the Celtics, honestly, was probably the Portland Trailblazers with Bill Walton. And then he didn't see it again until the 80s Celtics and the 80s Lakers. And those teams really should have been more of the copycat model. You know, I get it. Bird was the, was the best player in one. Johnson was the other. But those it distributed. That team was; those two teams were really pass-first, uh, healthy ball movement teams. What changed it was like David Stern coming in, realizing the way this was going to be marketed globally was creating almost like superstars, like it's WWE, and the Jordan effect. The Jordan effect is still taking place because the Jordan effect led to the Kobe Bryant effect, and it's still more about the individual. Eighty-one points. Slam dunk contest, you know, Nike sneakers, um, all that. Endorsements, right? Face of the franchise kind of thing. And I think, like, people are still trying to find that guy. They realize, like, when you go to the draft, you know, you have LeBron's coming out, but it's really, like, can we find that next, like, guy that can lead us? Let's just get one guy, one or two guys, a superstar it up. It's still superstar-led. And the new NBA is not superstar-led. It's not. You need to have a deep team. You need to go one through ten. Okay, people retroactively rank players based on what they won, but they don't rank it like preemptively. So, meaning, if you didn't, know, if nobody won a title, okay, and you're doing a pure talent, Dirk Nowitzki's not a top twenty player, probably not a top thirty player. He could shoot. He's got some scoring. He's good, but he's ranked in the top twenty all time because he won a title. But the reason why he won a title was he was on like a, a really team environment. Even Bird. Bird's a talent, okay? But George Gervin, I can make the argument. Jerry West, I can make the argument. Charles Barkley, Garnett, uh, Malone were more talented than Dirk Nowitzki. Now, those guys also went deep because talent obviously matters. No one's discounting talent. But the team environment is really so, so key. And, he, and like, in the 90s and 2000s and recently, you'd rather have paper than, than change, you know, when people are doing a deal, a three-for-one, if you will. Now it's also about assessing, you know, uh, the qualities of each.
but you'd rather have changed the dollars. Okay, still not such a unique concept, but the unique concept that I'm going to bring in is passing. Assist rate is probably the best metric out there that equates to healthy team basketball in an individual, which then gets, you know, contagious throughout, and uh, high IQ. Said differently, if you have a team filled with guys with good assist rates, they're going to play above their talent level because they're playing like a team. The we is better than the me. Now, obviously, your ideal ideal is if you get a guy who's a talent, which you would find through assist rate, who also has good assist rate. So I think, like, the, the unique concept here is when you're evaluating talent, putting an extra value at assist rate, um, and then, you know, and even versus true shooting. So, like, said, said differently, if you take two guys, player A has, like, a 57% true shooting, He's an off-the-ball wing and a 20% assist rate. That's better than a 62% true shooting wing who has a, um, you know, a 10% assist rate. All right? The assist rate is almost as valuable as the true shooting is my unique thing. Right? Where now it's like true shooting is like 90% of the value and assist rate is 10%. And you see that through the players. Right? So a good example is like a Josh Hart. He's got a great assist rate. He does other things. I get it. It's not just the assist rate, but he did not get paid as much as he likely could have because people were really knocking the true shooting without valuing the assist rate. Where if you flipped it, if he had bad assist rate and great true shooting, the guy is a max player. Case in point, Mikhail Bridges. Now, Mikhail Bridges can pass too, but I'm saying like the 3 and D on steroids guy is going to get more value. They, they still have that notion. Now the guy can't be the guy can't be a safe shooter, but no one is. Most players, if, if you're in a unit with good assist rate guys, they're gonna find guys open. They're gonna get better looks. Thus, their true shooting will be better. Okay. A classic underrated guy uh, due to poor true shooting, good assist rate is someone like Kyle Anderson. And if you look at all his units throughout his career, teams are better when he plays. San Antonio, Memphis, and now Minnesota. He's starting in Minnesota, so they're kind of getting it. They also have an absence of wings. But, like, his value is still not that great. Like, the, the true shooting equivalent, probably like Trey Murphy, uh, or, you know, he's got way more value. Now, obviously, the other thing to look at is if you have a guy who's got great true shooting and good assist rate, he's really valuable. Maybe they're being undervalued. That guy right now is Indiana's Buddy Heald, who has demanded a trade. Buddy Heald uh, is quite underrated. Why is he underrated? I, he's only 6'4", so that kind of knocks him defensively. But obviously, tremendous true shooter. And what makes Buddy Heald special as a shooter is his spacing ability. He's a high-volume guy, and, and, and teams are nervous. Not necessarily that he's so efficient, but he's going to chuck it, all right? No matter what. He could throw seven threes in a game. Great. But he also has, like, a 20% assist rate. He can play make a little. That's really impressive. That tells you, like, he's not an idiot when he's trying to chuck, right? And, you know, he gets the team involved. And that is a more unique notion than someone like Duncan Robinson, who he's going to be compared to, who's got a lower assist rate. But he on the market now. Granted, I know they didn't want to sign extension. He's a quality guy. Now, the question is, how low can you get him? And what teams get him? It's, just, you know, again, I, I like him for a bunch of teams. I don't care if you're real building or not. He just fits everywhere. So you got to, I think what's happening now is they're going to, uh, teams are going to start identifying I mean, they're not there yet. 
And the biggest example of all of this was right in front of us, the Denver Nuggets. They won the title. And people were crapping on Nikola Jokic because, like, oh, he didn't win, he didn't win. And then all of a sudden he wins. Like, oh, told you. He was great all along. No, you idiot. He was always good. Whether he won or not had nothing to do with it. Okay? Like, there was other circumstances in play with injuries and stuff. But now that he wins, you're all the, on the page. Fine, I get it. Okay. Uh, but they're not going to... The NBA's not going to copycat Nikola Jokic. This guy's so unique. He's not that unique. I mean, he's unique. But players like him get drafted in the second round all the time. Okay? And I'll give you an example of one recently. There's actually two. Right? So, like, it's still the eye test thing in the NBA. It's still, like, if there's a big, he's a little chunky, can't move down the floor. And more importantly, he's not the best shooter. What is he going to be defensively? He's going to be out. No one's looking at his passing as much as they should. So the classic example of the underrated five is Kelly Olynyk. I love Kelly Olynyk Because, again, like Buddy Heald, he could shoot, he could space. But what makes him special is his passing. It's like an 18% assist rate. Four of five. That's fantastic. He's Vladi Divac with the shot. Very impactful. Very impactful. So now you, you look at... Um, you know, the, the the evaluation really needs to be more heavily put on assist rate. Back to the Jokic thing. You have guys who are drafted, second round, Orlando Robinson, the guy that the Heat picked up. I, I looked them up before, you know, he was coming, you know, I do some draft analysis. Great assist rate. Okay? When he, when he played in Miami, he looked good. But I, let me say it differently. The team played well. Maybe he didn't look, quote-unquote, good. So I still think, like, these guys are getting under the radar because, um... Some other, like, you know, eye test that, that's like, ah, does, he, something doesn't look right, like Chad Bradford as a pitcher. It looks a little quirky, whatever. Another great example is Luca Garza. Luca Garza was the college basketball outstanding player of the year. Okay, back in the 80s, that guy gets drafted in the top three. Now, because everyone's, like, more obsessed with, like, athleticism and, um, you know, shooting and all that. And Garza's a good shooter, by the way. He's like a big, bulky guy. He goes to the second round. And because of the second round, he has that predetermined value already. So he has to do something above and beyond, like Jokic. Like a guy has to get hurt for a 20-game stretch. He has to play really well and then, and then keep moving up. Teams are going to be nervous about like giving a chance to a guy who's a second-round pick. Garza is incredible, okay? When he plays, the teams are good. He could shoot. He could rebound. He could pass. He's a diet Jokic. Is he as good as Jokic? I'm not going to say that. It's ridiculous. But... Like if it, I, I wouldn't shock me if this guy came came about. So if you're a team like Detroit was, where actually they can use spacers, you have a guy who can kind of space, but he could pass, and he didn't really get a chance there because they got a flash of the pan, you know, these high, quote-unquote high upside, just because they had an earlier predetermined value based on where they were drafted, like Marvin Bagley uh, or James Wiseman. Garza's out of the picture of Detroit, goes to Minnesota. They got Towns there. They got Nas Reed, who looked good because he could shoot. Can't pass, but he could shoot. Gets fallen through the wayside. Luka Garza's hanging around. Anybody could pick him up in the league. Pretty easy player to uh, acquire. Right? Now, again, is that going to make up? All right, so, look, again, passing is the new... Yeah, true shooting, I think, is probably still your gold standard, but... Passing is right under it, um, which is the premise. Again, Denver, all those teams showing you as an example. So, like, how do you look at it now? How do you evaluate, right? Like, I, again, it's it's not, like, such a result that passing matters. It's about 
you know, again, I, I think it's more of like a, a key factor. Right now, if you have two guys and the true shooting is a little different, look at look at the assist rate. And that's going to tell you the answer of, of who to evaluate. It's a good way to evaluate guys coming out of college. Most guys coming out of gap college uh, have low assist rates, uh, with the exception of maybe some some playmakers. But most of the time, a lot of these guys are asked to just carry the load, and the assist rates are low. Um, and like, look, they give you change in the NBA. It's not like a, it's at a very adaptable stat, right? In the right system, you know. One of the guys I was trying to knock actually was Christoph Porzingis. I'm not pro of the Celtics trade. Porzingis um, had like a seven to nine percent, you know, single digit assist rate. It was like Andre Bargnani was similar. Uh, the difference is, and it makes sense. Like KP was playing against extremely high usage guys, right? And when you do that. Um, you're you're just you know mitigated to off the ball. The difference is when you played in Washington and you didn't have uh, Luka Doncic there or Carmelo Anthony, right? Really, really holding the ball most of the time. His assist rate went up to seventeen percent, which is quite good. So, you know, it was an element that he worked on. These guys are capable of passing. It's like a basketball skill. It's not like shooting, where like it's a little tougher. It's passing. So. It's not to say that, like, once, you know, set in stone, uh, it's a good way to evaluate. It's a good way to see who's got the IQ, but it's also just a, a metric that front offices, coaches, you know, everybody uh, should focus on to try to prove. Uh, and if they do that, then um, then you can play well above your means uh, and be like a European team uh, in the NBA.